Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You listen to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. It's been a while, but I've got a couple good guests for you guys today. I've got Sherelle McMillan and Greg Barnes, basketball talk in I guess May, first week of May. It's hard to believe, gentlemen, that it's already May. Um, let's get it going right off rail. I, I said it off the air. I'm going to say it on the air. A couple weeks ago, maybe mid-April, around tax day or so, had a friend of mine come up to me. He's a diehard Carolina guy. He's like, we're going to be terrible. They're going to be terrible. Roy is can't recruit, blah, 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 blah. And I used the old Sherelle McMillan quote and said, recruiting always works out. Saw that same guy today um, on Monday afternoon as we record this Monday night, and he looked at me and he said, yeah, you were right. Sherelle, your thoughts on that whirlwind back last few days of April where Rory Williams just totally restocked what was a depleted pantry. It was um, much needed for UNC, let's put it that way. Um, They knew going into the season that they were going to lose, you know, four, maybe five guys. And I think they, if you look at their recruiting, um, the offers they gave in 2019, when they gave them, who they gave them to, it kind of gave a tell as to what they thought. They definitely knew that Nasir was leaving. And they thought that Kobe White, um, if he had a good season, could leave. They weren't sure that he was going to, but they knew he could. Um, And so I think that kind of how the Cole Anthony recruitment started, you know, about 13 months ago. And, um, you know, they'll never say exactly when Cole told them he was coming. I don't think anybody's really ever asked him that. But you can see that they never um, recruited another point guard, pretty much. Um, And, you know, he took his official visit in September. And it was kind of a, yeah, you know, you think Carolina is in good shape there, but you just don't know. For a time there, we heard Oregon, you know, after his official visit had done really well. But, you know, you just had to wait. And I think it's very different for UNC to have to wait until, you know, almost early May to really finalize what the roster is going to look like. That's different. You know, they've added a piece here or there before um, late in the spring, but never have they had four commits in a week that I can remember, let alone uh, four guys who they think are going to play some pretty major minutes the next season. Um, so it was much needed. Uh, you know, recruiting most of the time works itself out, and I definitely think this is one of those cases. Indeed. Greg, looking back at um, – there have been a few years where Carolina lost a ton. I think after the 05 National Championship, they lost a lot. After the 9 Championship, they lost a lot. They lost a lot after 12 season. Um, not sure that they expected um, that a guy like Kobe White would explode and be gone as much. But this is not the first time Roy Williams has really had to restock. Um, but the amount of offense, especially, and leadership that they lost from last year is is quite startling. Yeah, I don't think it's that easy to, to find where Roy has had to, to restock to this level. I mean, everybody knows that you know, after O five title, a lot of people checked out, and uh, the same took place after after O nine. Um, but man, you're talking about seventy six point six percent of the scoring, and that's before we factor in Seventh Woods. Uh, so I mean, we're probably talking close to eighty percent. And then you've got the the aspect of you know Garrison Brooks is the only uh, returning starter, 
He's also the only guy coming back that averaged more than 12 minutes per game last year. I think B-Rob was maybe 11 and a half, something like that. Um, so it, it is complete decimation. And Roy has a little bit of familiarity with this. Uh, but to this extent, especially like you say, when you factor in the leadership aspect, I mean, one of the things Roy talked about so much last year was he had three senior leaders who had played in a ton of games. Uh, they, they had seen everything that you could see in ACC play. Guys that had played on you know, Final Four teams, guys that had won a national championship. Uh, and so now you're saying, okay, well, we're going to replace that. And guess what? Garrison Brooks, you're it. B-Rob, you're it. And then you two new guys, uh, Christian and Justin, uh, I know you played somewhere else, but you've actually played. So you're it. And then Cole Anthony, you haven't played at this level yet. We know you're good, but you've got to be a leader too. And so that is going to be a unique dynamic. This is going to be one of those years. I don't have any doubt that there's going to be a, an ability of this coaching staff to put a working unit on the floor. But last year, Roy could count on Luke and Cameron and Kenny to make sure the guys were doing what they were supposed to be doing during the offseason, what they were doing during the, during, during the season, uh, when they were going on road trips, all those kinds of things. I don't know how many times I'd go into a locker room after the game and somebody say, hey, Kenny, are we wearing jumpsuits home or are we, we putting our suits on? And you know, Kenny knew the answer, and, and Kenny, Kenny could make those types of decisions. Um, this is going to be a, a coach-led team for a large part of the season. And so while Garrison and B-Rob are going to be the guys initially, Roy's already said that, he told us that last week, uh, that is going to be a work in progress. And, and that to me will be the most interesting dynamic as we get into ACC play. Sherelle, let's talk about that for a little bit, because, you, you know, we've talked about Cole Anthony and he's probably um, maybe the alpha on the team next year. But the bottom line is like Greg said, losing uh, three seniors and, and then, you know, everything that, comes with those guys especially Luke and Kenny haven't been there forever I mean B-Rob and Garrison Brooks and Sterling and Leaky Black I mean those guys have been there but this is going to be one of those it's not a uh, down the road eight miles down the road or over in an adjacent state roster flip um, that happens year to year at those places but it's never been seen at Carolina, especially losing the amount of just experience there is. Your thoughts on how that, even in the offseason, plays off because, you know, it's kind of like you're looking around for somebody to tell you what to do, like Greg mentioned, and it's like, hey, I'm the guy that's supposed to make that decision now. And that's where guys like B-Rob will be. Yeah, I'm curious to see exactly what happens in that regard because, you know, Garrison has a great reputation uh, amongst recruits who have come and, and visited UNC. Um, they kind of look up to him. So I think he can provide that to some degree. Uh, B-Rob, I think, will be more of a, a lead by example type guy. Um, even going back to high school, one of the things he always talked about working on was being a more vocal leader. So um, I don't think he'll be kind of uh, in your face leader guy. <laughs> I really think. And this is unprecedented to me um, in North Carolina that this will be Cole Anthony's team. 
Now, granted, it's Roy Williams' team's first, uh, but after that, I think it's Cole's. And I say that for a variety of reasons. You talked about him being um, the alpha male or, or the guy who really um, does things uh, when North Carolina needs it as far as scoring, whatever, because um, he has that kind of skill. But I also think um, his personality is much different from point guards North Carolina's had in the past. I, I'd say it's probably closer to Joel Berry um, than anyone else. And if you know uh, Barry and know how he was. He was a, a very fiery guy. Didn't mind getting in his teammates' face um, if need be. Um, was very demanding and at times, you know, maybe was overbearing to some degree. I don't mean that in a negative way, but, you know, when guys want to win, that's kind of how they are. And I think Cole's much more in that mold um, than anyone else. So, um, you know, I think eventually once the season starts, I, I think he's the leader. He's the leading scorer. He has the ball in his hands. I think it's, you know, we haven't really seen it like this in North Carolina where the entire team to me kind of uh, is on the back of Cole Anthony. And I don't try, I don't say that to try and, you know, make expectations high for him, but that's kind of where it's heading. Yeah. And let's, let's expand on that just a little bit, because if you look back to that 06 team, who was the great leader on that team? David Noel. David Noel. And he, to this day, Roy you know, points to David as, as one of the best leaders he's had. Um, and then you fast forward to 2010. I mean, you had Deion Thompson, who was the starting forward on a national championship team, and Marcus Ginyard, who was a great leader even on that 09 team. Um, and so you had a lot of other pieces that you had to kind of make up for. But this is a this is a vastly different situation, I think. Um, and you know, I, I agree with Sherelle that that B Rob probably is more of a lead by example type guy. But I'll tell you. As the season wore on, um, he was much more able and willing uh, to talk to his teammates, much more able and willing to talk to media. He was always good for a good quote, and that's that's important. Um, Garrison has made strides in that regard, but that's not really his strong suit. And so I'm curious what type of uh, leader he can be, but no doubt both of those guys, at least initially, are going to have to be more vocal. Um, but but I do agree with Sherelle that this very much looks like it's um, Cole Anthony's team. And the fact that Roy said last week that just with the nature of that position as point guard, you have to have that ability. And so I do think, maybe not initially, but I, I certainly think midway through the year, you will really see Cole kind of take over. Let me ask you both this, and I want separate answers, so I almost should put one of you on mute while the other answers, but – I'm kind of like Miss America style, but can, uh, Sherelle, can you be a leader on a team if you're not one of the main producers on the team? And I don't want to necessarily, well, maybe starter and a big, a big part of it. Can you be a leader? Yeah, to some degree, but ultimately it's, it's the guys who play the most, the, the, the leader, um, from what I've seen, just, you know, covering North Carolina and following the stuff, it's the guys who on the court you know, a lot um, who are considered the leaders who make the most difference. So I, I see what you're getting at. And like I said, you know, when they get there, I think most of the team is going to report second session. That's kind of when um, they all arrive in Chapel Hill. You would expect, you know, the seniors, kind of the older guys to say, okay, this is Carolina basketball. This is kind of what it's about. This is what we do. This is how we do it, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of um, orientation almost. Let's call it that, you know, a, a two or three week orientation about UNC basketball. But once the fall hits and, you know, games start, then I really think, like I said, it's it's going to be 
Cole Anthony, I think to some degree to be Christian Keeling as well. Um, you got to remember those guys have been in college and they've played a lot of games already. They already know kind of the rigors of college basketball and how it works. So I think they have that going for them. It, obviously, again, it'll be different because it's North Carolina, but that's how I think it'll head is that initially the uh, established guys from UNC um, will show the other people the ropes and then kind of the new guys will take over as they play more um, and, you know, possibly four of them in the starting lineup. Greg, you agree there. I mean, I think that seems the most logical um, way it'll play out. It's going to be different, obviously, like we've discussed for North Carolina and for Roy Williams. But do you see it sort of rolling that way as we get down into the season, you know, throughout the November, December, January months? Yeah, for sure. And I will say, I think Garrison is is key, not only for this year, but for next because you know we can talk about Cole Anthony and, and the grad transfers and B-Rob for that matter, but those guys likely are only going to be in Chapel Hill this season. We actually know three of those will only be here for one year, uh, and it would take something dramatic for Cole to be back for a second year. And so I think Garrison really needs to kind of grow into that role so that that next year, when he is a, a senior, um, he's going to be comfortable running the show. And I think that that's critical for the, the health of the program. Uh, but certainly I do think that, you know, all those guys are going to help out and, you know, whether or not we have one guy that stands out for North Carolina, uh, we can debate that. But I do think that you're going to see the grad transfers pitch in. You're going to see Cole do his thing. You're going to see B Rob and Garrison bring their experience. And so it's going to be a, a group effort for a long time until maybe we see somebody kind of step up and, and become that leader uh, as crunch time approaches. I do want to talk about those grad transfers. First, I need to talk about johnnytshirt.com, of course, on Franklin Street and online, johnnytshirt.com, sponsor of this podcast. So if you've liked listening to us over the course of last season um, and then, you know, in the off season when we do these basketball podcasts, plenty of football podcasts coming over the summer, um, certainly – um, spend your cash at johnnytshirt.com or at Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin Street. And, of course, those premium members of Inside Carolina get 10% off your gear, and they have plenty of gear. Everything you possibly want that has Carolina on it, Johnny T-Shirt has. Johnny T-Shirt on Franklin, Johnny T-Shirt online. Shrell, Christian Keeling, Justin Pierce. I'll be honest, I Pierce's commitment surprised me. I, maybe I'm the only one that it did, but Let's talk about those two guys. We've mentioned that they've been in college. Uh, Pierce certainly probably has a little more Carolina flavor than Keeling has, but just your thoughts on the fit of those guys. And everybody wants to always say, well, so-and-so is coming in and they're going to replace whoever left. Like Cole Anthony's going to replace Kobe White and Cam Johnson's going to replace Justin Jackson and all that. How do you see those guys fitting into what Roy Williams wants to do? Because they're going to need to produce from day one for Carolina to be successful. Yeah. And uh, so I think Christian will come in and be the starting two guard. I know, you know, the players earn it in practice and everything, but I would be fairly surprised if he didn't win that role. And I say that because North Carolina needs scoring. They've talked about, you know, from talking to people around the program and, you know, various sources and everything. They've talked about for more than a year and a half about how this class, they really needed to add perimeter firepower, that they needed to add people who can score. They needed to add 
people who can shoot. They needed to add people who could create their own shot. And Keeling can do all those things, granted, at a lower level. Um, but I think some of that stuff translates when you look at his numbers against Power 5 schools, against some of the better competition. Um, his numbers, you know, actually go up. They don't go down. So um, I think he's shown he can play against, you know, um, ACC competition. He's a real confident uh, young man, too. I mean, he really believes that he's good enough to play in the ACC that, you know, just because he wasn't good enough to play for North Carolina high school, doesn't mean he's not good enough to play for them now. So I would expect him because of that ability to shoot, to score, to be the starting two guard. Now he'll be completely different from what Kenny Williams was. I don't think he'll be, uh, I don't want to say close to, but I don't think he'll be the the defender that Kenny Williams was in one season in North Carolina. You know, Kenny kind of built that up over the course of, of a few years, but um, you know, as a guy who can create his own shot, he'll, he'll definitely be able to do that. And, he probably will be able to do that better than Kenny Williams, I think. Uh, as far as Pierce is concerned, same thing. Seems to be a very confident, uh, and, and that's a uh, trend with his class. They all seem to be very confident. Um, I don't want to say brash, but very, um, um, they know that they're good basketball players and they don't mind showing you and telling you, and they don't think there's anything wrong with that. And they like to win. So, um, you know, all that said, I think Pierce fits North Carolina really well. He was the one piece they kind of didn't have as someone who could, um, play the three, maybe play the four in a small lineup, and who could hit outside shots. So um, both were positions of need, and I, I think both guys realized that even though they might not be guaranteed 32 or 33 minutes like they might be elsewhere, it still was important to come to North Carolina because it's the biggest stage. And that really came through in talking to both of those guys that Carolina's pitch was. You know, it doesn't get, outside of the NBA, it doesn't really get much bigger than Carolina basketball, and I think that won them over. Not to derail the conversation with, with the grad transfers, but Shrell made a comment there, and I, I want to ask him about it, about the, the need for, for firepower on the perimeter. That's been an issue for a number of years, as we all know. Um, but while everybody was so excited about the Co-Anthony signing for, for obvious reasons, I really thought North Carolina being able to get Anthony Harris was big, uh, maybe not for this year, but kind of moving forward to address some of those perimeter concerns. Am I making too big about too big of a deal about that signing trail? Oh, not at all. Um, I mean, it's pretty huge. Like you said, we know that they're going to lose four guys after the season. I mean, there's a 99.6% chance that all four Keeling, Robinson, Pierce, and Anthony won't be on the roster next year. And again, that is a lot of offensive firepower, especially from the perimeter. So having Harris there, you at least have a bridge guy who will have a year in the system um, who will kind of understand what North Carolina is about. And then who also is talented, um, who can, uh, as a sophomore, you know, maybe bridge his way into more playing time. And that was the pitch they kind of gave to some of the guys who went elsewhere, who committed to other schools um, back in the fall. And those guys were working under the assumption that Cole Anthony was going to be there, but they also were working under the assumption that Kobe White was going to be there. And because of that, they went ahead and made their decisions and that, um, change things for UNC. So as soon as Anthony Harris, um, you know, asked for asked, asked out of his letter of intent, you know, North Carolina kind of pounced on him because he's a player they saw a lot of uh, watching Armando Baycott for team takeover on the Nike circuit. Shrell, I'll stick with Harris. When when you see a guy like him, you know, reading the article on Inside Carolina, it says top hundred guard Anthony Harris or whatever the rankings are. I mean. How important are rankings, do you think, for Roy Williams? Obviously, he goes after the um, highest-ranked guys, and, and folks like like you've all, the, we've talked about on this podcast, I mean, he offers all the highest-ranked guys, most of them, 
um, and it works out or it doesn't. But as far as a guy like Harris, I mean, is that a, a fit? And, and like you mentioned there, down the road fit, important recruit. You see what I'm trying to say? It's not necessarily the highest ranked guy, but it's a guy that Roy Williams believes will be very beneficial for Roy Williams. It seems like that is as much as has as much importance for Williams as it does, you know, their star rankings or whatever. Oh, for sure. And I, I think when you look at the uh, graduate transfers as well, there were other players, I think, who maybe um, were better overall players than Keeling and Pierce. Not many, but a, a couple. And, you know, never got really serious with North Carolina with those players for a variety of reasons. And, um, you know, Ben always likes to say that there's a checkbox that Roe Williams has. And most of the time, well, there's some examples of him not following it. But most of the time, he'll go with the guys who uh, check the most boxes. And I think Keeling was an example of that. Not only is he a good basketball player, he's shown that he's a good student by graduating in three years. Um, uh, a, a coach, that I, I can't remember his name to save my life, but one of the assistant coaches at Charleston Southern, you know, was with Roy Williams at UNC and uh, coached the JV team, or he was on the JV team. There's a connection there. Um, I can't remember his name. I'll, I'll have to look it up after the podcast and post it. But, you know, so he had him to do background. And then, of course, Coach Shaver was at William & Mary, so he had him to do background with Pierce. Um, so they they really um, look at this, you know, very seriously and say, can this player not only play in North Carolina, but does he fit into what they're trying to do. So I think they take it holistically. Harris, in this case, um, I think he's not a really a traditional fit for what you would expect from a Roe Williams guard. But sometimes when you're not looking for something, you get what you need. And I think that might be the case with Harris because he's that, uh, you know, junkyard dog, physical kind of combo guard who uh, whenever they put up, you know, 15 on Carolina or harass Carolina's point guard, Carolina fans are like, why can Carolina not get a guy like that? And I think that's the case with Harris. He's a solid four-year guy who knows how to win um, and will give Carolina a, a lot of aggression, will give Carolina great defense, um, and really just a competitive spirit uh, that I won't say has been missing, but it's something that um, they often are criticized for not having enough of. Yeah, and Tommy, I think you're exactly right with kind of how you, you phrase that question because I, I think – to me, the glaring issue with the, the one-and-done um, scenario uh, is if we look at what's happened with Duke and with what's happened with Kentucky, is that they've had all this incredible talent in this young. But, I mean, look at Duke this year. Where's the, where's the Kyle Singler guy? Where's that type of veteran presence who can kind of rally the troops and settle the freshmen down? I mean, when they win their last title, a couple of years ago, and you you can make the case that the most critical piece of that puzzle was Quinn Cook, who was a a senior. And yeah, you had Winslow, and uh, you had all those other guys that were really good. But you know, Cook was the, the driving force for that team. And you look at their team this year, and who was that guy? I mean, there was nobody. Um, and you look at some of the great you know Kentucky teams; they've had some 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 pretty good teams that had quality you know, veteran leadership and some of these most recent teams have not. And so if you can get a guy like Harris, um, even if you're bringing in one and done types, you know, like a Cole Anthony or Nasir Little or even Kobe White, um, you know, last year, I think Kobe and Nasir were able to kind of develop at their own pace because they had you know, veteran savvy guys, maybe not guys who are going to be elite NBA players by any stretch, 
But guys who have been there, done that, they know what Roy wants. They can be that extension of the coaching staff. And that's one of the issues, I think, when you look at how Roy has been recruiting of late, you, where are those kind of glue guys? You, you, you've got Garrison, who clearly is going to be one of them. Uh, maybe B-Rob can step up. So I think an Anthony Harris type is what you need, a guy that can come in, give you good minutes this year. Then when you have that exodus after next year, now you've got a guy, okay, he's, he's played, uh, he's, he's comfortable, he can really grow as a sophomore, and then as he gets to be a junior or even a senior, uh, he's kind of a, a veteran-savvy guy that you need to be able to kind of bring these young guys along. Yeah, I mean, he reminds me, just watching tape, reminds me of, like, Sherelle, you mentioned those guys that score 15 on Carolina, like, play for Louisville or somebody, or, or you know, Miami-type team or those type guys. And and I've always been that person that you mentioned saying, Carolina needs those type guys. And Harris maybe fits that bill. Yeah, for sure. Um you know, I think we've we've kind of said it all, but um, he is really important just moving forward. And uh, North Carolina was, you know, it, it's a, I, I said it in one of the stories that we wrote. Um, it's a fine line between luck and skill set. And I think North Carolina has shown that this is a part of their toolbox now that they can. Um, I don't want to say scramble, but when they need to make um, additions to their roster, when they need um, players at certain positions, they can go out and get them. And they've shown it. You know, the last several years, they've had either a spring signee, um, a spring commit, or someone who was let out of their letter intent and later signed with UNC. So um, they really have gotten uh, pretty good at that, I think. And I I wanted to mention, too, the coach I was talking about at Charleston Southern was Rick Duckett, um, who graduated from Carolina in 79. So I don't know if everybody knew that, but there were Carolina influences with both Pierce and Keeling. Yep, always, always there's a tie somewhere with Rory Williams. I'm going to take a short break. We'll come back. We'll talk about a couple guys we haven't talked about that will be new in Carolina Blue later this summer. Sherelle, since he's still technically a a recruit, or even though it's a signed recruit, not actually on campus, Armando Baycott and Jeremiah Francis. Now, Baycott's a guy um, that a lot of people think will come in and start right away for Carolina Francis. He's got some work to do, but speak to maybe the fit with Baycott and Brooks on Carolina's front line. And clearly Sterling Manley might have something to say about that, but it certainly gives Roy Williams those two big options uh, that he always wants. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, the, the classic saying amongst people who do this for a living is you are what you can guard. So can Garrison Brooks guard force. And I think um, in modern basketball, I, you know, it, it's a, it's questionable. I think he can, but he's got to show that um, that he can guard. You know the guys who the, the so-called stretch fours, the Brandon, Brandon Ingram's of the world, and the Cedar Littles of the world. Um, can he guard those guys like Bryce Johnson used to guard um, the Duke fours? You know, if he's able to do that, then there's a chance that I think you could see Rollins play them together. And you know, let's remember the last couple of years. You know, it hasn't. Even though North Carolina's had success, it still hasn't quite been how Roy, Roy Williams would like to play. That's not saying that um, he hasn't adapted, that he hasn't changed things, that he hasn't worked around the personnel he has. But deep down in his core, he's still a guy who wants to make sure that North Carolina scores in the paint, that they score in the paint first. The closest shot is the easiest shot in the highest percentage, and that's what you want. And then work your way out. 
Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Baycott and Brooks together in the starting lineup. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Brooks at the five and Pierce at the four or some variation of that. Um, Baycott is going to have a chance, though, um, because Sterling now, um, you know, it's kind of a lost year last season. Um, he played well toward, you know, th- it, during parts of his freshman year, he played well. But, um, you know, he's a junior now and they expect more from him. And if he doesn't do what they expect, then Baycott will come in and pass him. So uh, I could definitely see it. I think that's Williams' preferred style. And if you go back and look, when they've had the most success, it's been when they've played that way. Um, so I don't know. Luke May was so unique in what he could do that um, I think it's changed how North Carolina fans view exactly how they should play. But I don't know if that's still the best way for them to play. I think the best way for them to play is still uh, Roy's preferred style. Greg, you've talked <clears throat> you've talked to Roy Williams a lot over the years. Um, what Sherrill says is accurate, no matter what the last couple seasons have proven. But Carolina's championship team, he had those bigs, and he always has those bigs. Do you think that um, the Baycott and Brooks pairing may satisfy Coach Williams this season, or will Pierce play that for in the small role, the small lineup that? we've gotten accustomed to the last couple of years. Yeah, well, I think Sherelle got a head on the head. I, I think it's all going to depend on what Manley and, and Baycott can do and what they can prove to this coaching staff in the, in the fall. Because I think with, with Pierce coming in, you know, he's a guy who's he's a great athlete, a surprisingly good athlete, and he can play the four. So I, I think, I think he's going to have maybe a, maybe a step up uh, coming in. And you know, when Roy talked to Gregory Hall last week, Gregory asked him about Brooks because, you know, last year, you know, Sean May and a couple other guys went so far as to say, you know, Garris has been playing out of position his entire career. You know, he's been having to play the five and he's really a true four. And Roy's response was, they, well, he was defensive player of the year for our team playing the five. And he kind of went on to say, you know, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, but the twos and the threes and the fours and the fives are very similar in what they do within the offensive structure. Where things change is on the defensive end. Um, and so, you know, I think there are people who watch, <laughs> who have watched UNC basketball, would say that there are times when bigger, stronger guys were a little bit too much for Garrison. But no doubt about it that Garrison really evolved as a defensive player last year. Uh, he's the guy that you know, I think when you look at a Baycott or a Manley, you know, Garrison's the guy that can go out on the perimeter a little bit better. He's a little bit more fleet of foot. Maybe he's, he's your better option as a four out of that group. Um, but if if you know, Pierce comes in and he's he's a better player at the four than either of those other two guys were at the five, then I think you will see a lot of Brooks at the five. And so it, it is a thing where how those guys perform in, in the in the fall will, will tell us exactly how this is going to shape up. Greg, you know this to be the case, but um, a, a thing we didn't mention was that Keeling and Pierce both led their teams in rebounding uh, right. last season. And, you know, for we've talked about this every podcast pretty much the last however many years, but rebounding is that's Coach Williams' thing. So if Pierce comes in and rebounds, then he, for sure he could definitely win the starting four. Those stats are interesting because if those guys rebound at the clip they have before, I think Carolina dominates the glass like they have under Roy Williams next year as well. Uh, and I like I like how Brooks progressed this past year. He he showed me some things. You know, I've been 
hard on bigs in the past and we pounded on Kennedy Meeks and Bryce Johnson forever, Sherelle. At least I did. And and they came through um when they got to be upperclassmen. But you know, I expect Brooks to step up, whether it's at the four or five, I don't know yet. We'll talk about that in just a second, um, when I try to get you guys to project starting lineups. But <clears throat> Sherelle, let me ask you, um, you know, was Seventh Woods transferring a surprise? I, I can't say that I was surprised when I heard it, but was it a surprise to you, um, you being one that follows it um, and hears the, you know, the bushes a lot more than others? So <laughs> I think what uh, really hurt Seventh Woods at North Carolina was that Joel Berry, no one expected him to come back for his senior season after winning most outstanding player in the Final Four and winning a national championship. So that was to be Seventh Woods' year, you know, as the starting point guard. And then maybe, you know, his confidence builds from getting playing time. And then he's the starter again as a junior. And who knows what happens there. But, you know, Joel Berry came back kind of unexpectedly. And then Kobe White uh, was better than advertised. And Seventh just really never got a chance to play. So I say all that to say that we'd heard some stuff um, after his sophomore season and that he kind of considered it. But, you know, he really, really loves North Carolina. I mean, he's been a fan his entire life. It is his dream school. It's the school he always wanted to go to. And that's why he picked UNC over South Carolina. Um, this season, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. We, uh, about a day before, we got some pretty good information, but we weren't able to confirm it with a second source. We, it, it came from about as good a place as it can come from. We just weren't able to get that second confirmation on it. And, Again, we had, we had heard some things, but I, I think he kind of, once he saw that Cole Anthony was coming in, you know, he realized that maybe it was time to go somewhere else and, and get a chance to play. And hopefully he's able to do that because he really is, for everything people say about him on the court, he, he does seem like a good guy. Um, he does seem like a good teammate. I always go back to that picture of him comforting Kobe White after one of the games. I think it might have been the Auburn game, his last game at Carolina, comforting Kobe White, always helping Kobe White, clapping for him, you know, a guy who came in and basically took his job. So uh, you hope for the best for him moving forward. Yeah, it was pretty easy to have a, a kid be sour in seventh position and, uh, like you said, never seemed to be. So good luck to him in the future. Greg, let me ask you about Leakey. And we haven't really talked about him because it's been more of a, a new guy podcast. But I, I think – I think this big class come in, coming in affects Leakey as much as anybody, um, but I'm not necessarily so sure that's a bad thing. It allows him to grow and get better without being the guy. Um, your thoughts on his progression and what you expect over the summer for him? Yeah, I think this is going to be a big year for Leakey. And I think the fact that the Keeling comes in, I agree with Sherelle, I think you pencil him in at the two. You've got Cole at the one, and I think Leakey's your guy at the three. Um, and the unique thing about Leakey is that he can play, I mean, he play really four positions, but certainly can play the one, two, and three. Uh, so I think you'll see him play a lot at point guard. And that, that's that's part of that issue with you know for seventh, is that he's going to be battling Leakey for those minutes. So uh, I, I think he's a guy that has a lot of talent. He's He can be a very good leader, too. I mean, he's another one that uh, I, I didn't mention earlier. But very sharp kid, very articulate, um, great basketball player. Just has good good skill about him. I hate that he was injured last year, so he didn't get to develop a little bit more. But I think he's going to be a, a key piece for this team, and um, that that's going to be something fun to watch. You know, B Rob's going to get a lot of minutes there at the three as well. Maybe B Rob's a starter initially, but I, I think Leakey's going to settle in and, and probably be the the guy there at the three. 
but he's also able to play those other positions. So he is going to be versatile. He is going to play a lot of minutes. And that's going to be a key piece for what Roy Williams wants to do. And get, getting Pierce was was big for Licky as well because um, though they know that he could fill some holes and, and gaps on the team, he couldn't be the backup point guard and the starting three and the backup four. I think that would have been asking a little too much, especially considering you know that he he missed a good amount of the season last year, you know, with the injury. So that was another um, reason the Pierce signing was so big to me. So let's get to it. We're about to wrap this podcast. I'm going to start with Greg first. We'll go alphabetical order. Greg, give me your projected starters. Here we are recording this on May the 6th, so it's pretty much irrelevant, um, but we'll do it anyway. Give me projected starters down in, uh, well, I guess, what, the first game of the season. It's an ACC game. So give me your starters in November. And then give me your starters in February. Hmm. Okay. So November, I'm going Cole Anthony, uh, Keeling, Brandon Robinson, Garrison Brooks, and Sterling Manley. And then February, I will go Cole, Christian, Leakey, uh, Garrison, and Baycott. Hmm. Interesting. Sherelle? Uh It's tough. Uh, I, I think three guys are locked in. I think Cole Anthony, Christian Keeling, and Garrison Brooks are going to be starters, and I think that won't change throughout the rest of the season. Um, the other two spots, you know, you're talking about four guys for two spots, basically. Um, so I, I think I would go, and this is, again, not a slight to any other players or anything, but you have to factor in health. You have to factor in skill. You have to factor in chemistry and fit and all that good stuff. I think I would go Anthony, Keeling, Robinson, Brooks, and Baycott. Is that in November or is that in February? That's November and February. Oh, so you've got Baycott as a starter from day one. I do. And uh, I think a part of it is, is that he's a very good scorer in the paint. And that is something that, as we talked about, North Carolina hasn't really been able to, for the past couple of years, throw the ball in the paint and say, okay, go get two points. And he has, while it's not 100% refined, he does have that skill set. He is someone who you can get the ball to. He can get a jump hook. He can get a, he, you know, he can make a move and, and get two points. And I think Garrison Brooks on the other side is more of a um, offensive rebound, defensive rebound, catch an alley oop, uh, get a putback type player. So even though Brooks is there and they're playing too big, they still need someone who they can throw the ball to. Now Sterling Manley certainly can do it. I just, you know, I just don't know how healthy he's going to be and, you know, when he gets to full health, will his conditioning improve and, and that kind of thing. He he has a lot of talent, um, especially on the offensive end, and he's shown it. But I think at this point, Baycott is probably a little bit better defender and probably a better rebounder. But, you know, those two will have a, you know, summer practice and fall practice to figure it out. Carolina's biggest weakness next season, Sherelle? Uh, you know, I think it'll be chemistry to start. I mean, it is not going to be easy. Roy Williams has his job cut out for him. And I'm not saying he can't do it, but it's not easy to integrate not only, you know, six new players, but of those six, you really expect five of them to play a good amount um, to, you know, be among your top seven in minutes, probably seven or eight. Um, so that that's a tough job. And previous Carolina teams, they kind of built that chemistry from year to year. It wasn't a one year deal. And so this year is going to be a little different because, there's going to be a lot of pressure. You know, Keeling and Pierce are definitely team players. Cole Anthony is a team player, but they also all have individual uh, motivations. And 
it's up to the UNC coaching staff to blend all that from the couple of practices in July and then once fall practice starts at the end of September all the way through the season. And so instead of, um, you know, building that chemistry year to year, they're going to have to build it in season um, a bit differently from what other teams do in season. So I just think it'll take a little bit longer. Um, so I think that is probably going to be their their biggest issue is just figuring out how to play with each other. You and I think way too a lot because I, I was going to mention, and, and Greg, I'll come to you to wrap it. I mean, this could be – if Carolina has the season that a lot of the fans who two weeks ago didn't believe they would have uh, but now think they could have, I, I think it will be Roy Williams' best job coaching at Carolina. Greg, your thoughts on that? I mean, they're blending all these guys together in – four or five months, whereas like Sherelle said, it's in the past it's been one, two, three, four years. Uh I don't know. He's had so many good coaching years that it's hard to kind of circle him to be in that position already. We'll have to see how the kind of the team plays out. I mean I think last year he did an incredible job with the pieces that he had. Um you know in hindsight it you know it doesn't look as impressive maybe but you know, at the time we were kind of, especially in December, we had a lot of questions. Um, and I, I think it is a challenge when you have so many new pieces. I mean, just not saying that Kevin Keats is is on Roy's level, but um, he's he's had to rely on the grad transfers, and that's tough. I mean, because you have to you have to figure out who's going to be the leader, who's going to be in this role, um, and that's you know, one of the the key components of Roy Williams' offense is that the guys have to know each other. They have to know what they like. And that's one thing that you Garrison really improved upon last year is that he understood, you know, how Kobe wanted to have a screen set for him. He understood what what Cam wanted with some of the down screens. He understood all these different components and it helped the offense as a whole. Um and he doesn't get the credit for that because those are the guys making the shots, but it's those little nuances that, that really pay, play a big role. And that's one of the areas where Nasir struggled for a long time. And so all those things have to come together with a lot of different guys. Now, this is one of those years, and it, I guess we can talk about every year in this regard, but the product you see in November and that season opener is going to be completely different from what we see in February. But, what type of trajectory are we talking about? Is it going to be straight up? Well, if it is, then this team can can you know, maybe challenge for Sweet 16 or even even better than that. But if it's really kind of up and down, up and down, which is what I expect, uh, then it's going to be much more challenging. But Roy has proven that he's a Hall of Fame coach. And he, he hasn't fooled anybody with that. It used to be, oh, he's just a great recruiter. That's not the case anymore. I mean, he's proven on the court that he can he can build teams. He will do that again this year. But how 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 good can he get this team to be? I and mean, that that's going to be one of the fun things to watch. Indeed, Sherelle McMillan and Greg Barnes. I'll let Sherelle close it. He does it so well. <laughs> um, I will say, visit johnnytshirt.com dot com and get your ten percent off your order, Sherelle. You stopped me before I could end it, so you better come big. No, I was just I was just gonna make an analogy because what Greg was saying is so on point. You know, the the learning curve is steeper, um, it's gonna take longer. And you have to wonder, you know, in for one thing, starting this season against an ACC team changes the math a little bit because typically 
I don't. I just don't know if Roy Williams will. I don't say sacrifice, but if Roy Williams will play his typical November style when it's an ACC game and it counts in the standings, so um, that'll be different uh, for sure at the start of the season. But I was going to make an analogy. You know, um, when you talk to older folks, like say you're in high school or you're in college, you say, "Oh man, I'm so stressed about so and so or X Y Z." They're like, "Be quiet. You've never been through anything in your entire life. Your, your problems are so small." And that. I kind of wonder how that will happen with North Carolina in a basketball game when, you know, the Geico national championship tournament or, you know, playing against Campbell or whomever is not exactly the same as a tie game with four minutes left against Duke in the Smith center. Um, So I'm I'm very curious to see how they react, how guys grow um, from game to game. And, And that's kind of the way I look at it is that there's really no one outside of Garrison Brooks and to some small degree, Brandon Robinson who have played, meaningful minutes in these huge games. So how fast can the grad transfers and the freshmen, you know, really adapt? Because, you know, they they again have what looks to be like a, a pretty difficult schedule, especially with the way Gonzaga is adding pieces and loading up. You know, that's going to be a very, very tough game, um, you know, not to go into the schedule. But that's, the, that's, I think, a huge deal. We shall see. It'll be here before you know it. It's May 6th as we record this. Uh, first ACC game early November. That's crazy. I don't like the schedule, Sherelle. We'll see how Roy Williams attacks it, at least that first game. Greg, Sherelle, Johnny T-Shirt, everybody, appreciate you joining us. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.